I've fallen in love with Peter. I've fallen in love with Apostle Peter. He, uh, would you turn with me, if you have your Bibles, those of you that attend all the time know we're in First Peter, and now we've moved into the second chapter. Um, for those of you who are not, we've been studying through Peter, uh, this great book, and, and Peter is just, uh, I, I've always been a, a one that just couldn't wait to meet Paul, just to look at him. I not necessarily I don't want to say hello to him. I just want to see him. I just want to see what he looks like and, and what makes this guy function. Well, Peter has become that second. He's become in that same tier. I can't wait to see Peter. Peter was, is, is different than Paul. Paul seems to be a little more on grace. Peter is the leader. Peter is the one who tells you this is what you ought to do and this is why you ought to do it. And I believe this is why Peter, of course, wrote First Peter and Paul wrote Romans. They're just different, but they're the same. It's just a different way of expressing things. Peter told us in chapter 1 that this is not our home. He told us that we're all going to go through difficulties. Every single one of us will go through some trials to one degree or another. You, you can't get out of that. And any preacher that tells you differently is, is just lying to you or they're ignorant of the Word of God. The Bible says that we are all going to go through difficulties. Peter told us for those who were persecuted and scattered throughout Rome, he said that you're, we're aliens. Basically what he is saying is this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And so he told us about the beauty and the wonders of our salvation. Even in the midst of going through difficulties, we can walk boldly, proudly, and successfully with the Lord. And so he has taught us that. And then last week we got into the whole idea where Peter was talking about, was kind of my wheelhouse. He's talking about we're to love one another. He says that, that since you become a believer in Christ, since you have this imperishable seed, this imperishable gift that is being given to you, that you ought to love one another within the body of Christ. And that's part of serving. Part of serving one another, part of being a, a, a servant unto the Lord through the church is your loving on other, other people. For instance, Saturday night, most of the people that work in the kitchen on Sunday come to the Saturday evening service, or some of them do anyways. And that gives them, enables them to be in the kitchen and do all the things that God's called them to do in there. And they do such a wonderful job. But they come on Saturday so that they can free up their Sunday mornings to serve. And, and if you ask any of them, why do you do that? This is because I don't want to do anything else. I love it. I wouldn't miss it. It is a joy in their lives to do that. And so when Debbie said it was her a blessing for her to serve the, the kids that, that God quickened in her heart to do something. She joined in with BBS and then she got challenged a little bit further along and, and, and now it's a blessing. And not only is it a blessing for her, but it's a blessing in her children's lives. It's, 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 it's a win-win. But if you're not involved yet, don't feel pressure, but listen to the Lord. And don't put him off if he asks of you to serve. And now Peter is getting into another section, which is my wheelhouse. I absolutely love this part. And he's talking to us about the importance of the Word of God. That, it, that, it, that is, as children of God, those of us who are saved, those of us who are born again, those of us who believe, whatever you want to call us, Christians or whatever, 
we should long for the pure milk of the Word. The Word of God should be critical in your life and in my life. And any church that opens its doors and doesn't really hit on the very essence of the Word of God is missing everything about really our faith. To open up a Bible, say a preacher opens up a Bible, reads a passage and then goes off on who knows where to talk about who knows what is making a big mistake before the Lord. The Lord has given us His Word. He has given us His Word so that you and I might know it. And today, Peter is going to teach us this wonderful lesson about knowing the Word of God. Peter is going to teach us the love and the delight that we ought to have in the Word of God. This love of the Word of God is a, is a mark of, of, of true, true, true salvation. Let me tell you why I say that. Jesus Christ told a group of people, Jews, who believed in Him. He said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. You don't need to turn there if you don't want to, but I'm going to read First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 in a moment. But let me make this point. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue, the word that is key there is continue. Your faith and my faith isn't a once-time thing. We get it, we're saved. Boy, praise the Lord, not going to hell, going to heaven. No, that's just a part of the journey. That part of the journey is a blessing beyond anyone's wildest dream. To know that we are secure in our faith and will one day be with the Lord in heaven. But the next part of that is serving the Lord. He wants you and me to serve one another so because He has gifted each of us differently so that we help build up the body of Christ. And so you and I are critical to what we do. But a part of it is continuing in on the Word of God. So Jesus says, for those of you who believe in me, if you continue in my Word, get that? In my Word, then you are truly disciples of mine. You'll know the truth, and the truth, he says, will make you free. And one of the purposes for us as a church, one of the purpose in my life, that the, one of the the motives of what I come here for every Sunday with you and Saturday night with those on Saturday is to help all of us, myself included, grow in our faith, grow in the understanding and the knowledge of the Word of God so that we would become the person that God has created us to be. I long for that for you as I long for that for myself. And so don't ever put that aside. The truth will make you free. And so I want to read with you, please, in 1 Peter chapter 2. I want you to read what Peter has to say. And we're just going to take a, sh uh, a small chunk of this part. We're going to take a look at verses 1, 2, and 3 because they're critical to, to understand as we move on the rest of this book and, and this chapter and this book as a whole. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, let me just say before I read further, therefore leads us back to chapter 1. Specifically, it leads us back to verses 23 and 25. Therefore, because, if you look at verse 23 of chapter 1, it says, We and I have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but that which is imperishable. That is, we've been born again through the living and abiding Word of God. Look at verse 25. But the Word of the Lord abides forever. Therefore, Peter says. Now let's read. Chapter 2, 1 Peter 1. 
Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if, and it's better translated since, if or since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Father, let us taste that kindness. Let us, let us, let us behold wonderful things that, that come from your law. Would you open up our, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, so that we might for this next 20, 30 minutes, Father, concentrate on what you want to say to each of us individually, much like you did to Debbie. May we hear your wonderful, still voice, and may it speak volumes to our lives. I pray you bless us, Father, for us to really grasp what you want to teach us. I pray that you would move me aside. Let me not be a hindrance to what you want to say to each of us here. Allow us to, Father, hear your voice. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the wonderful music that we sang. Thank you for our, our ability to offer unto you a, a, a gift, of, 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 a gift to say thank you, Father, uh, financially to, to allow us to worship you through our tithes, through our offerings. And, and now, Father, let us give you thanks through the very study of your word that we may, we may worship the very words that you speak. I pray all of this, Father, in the most precious name that any of us could ever hear. That is in the name of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, when Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, that's not just a New Testament thought, of course. I think you know that already. But I, I want you to know that it is a strong theme that runs through the Old Testament. In fact, I would like to just for an exercise, have you look with me at Psalms. Would you hold your place here in 1 Peter, turn to the middle of the, Old, of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms is right about in the middle, and look at Psalms 119, which is the longest chapter in all of Scripture. I, I want to read to you how the psalmist makes note of the Word of God, the importance that the psalmist placed on what you and I get to study week in and week out. I'm going to read you a couple of extras just to, while you're kind of finding your place in Psalms 119. I want to read you Psalms chapter 1, verse 2. You don't need to turn there. Just listen. It says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. In His law, He meditates day and night. When Jesus says, If you continue in My Word, the psalmist says, The law of God we meditate upon day and night. Now, I had a, a really a, a, a great little lesson yesterday. Just before I go in service, normally Pastor Dave Briggs will come up and encourage me and talk to me and we have a word of prayer and, and just talk about things with the church and how much he loves this place and he does. And he was telling me that sometimes when he gets into his work, he will, he will get so busy that he won't be thinking about things of God. It just won't until he gets home at night and he says, Oh my gosh, I've gone all day and I've hardly thought about the Lord. And I think it's a great habit in your life to be able to think about the Lord all day long. To not put off for tonight what you can be doing during the day as you contemplate the things of God. That's why I've told you I have reminders in my life. I have a, a, clock, a watch that beeps every hour. 
doesn't beep for me to know the time. It beeps so that it reminds me, how am I doing with the Lord? I don't want an hour to go by. As a matter of fact, I have a, a, something my wife and I treasure in our home is a grandfather clock. We got it on our 10th wedding anniversary. We have, have had it now 31 years. And it chimes. Uh, every time it chimes, it makes me again at home think about the Lord. But it also makes me think about Kenny Hutchison. I'll tell you why. I think I've already told you this, but I'm going to tell you again because I love it. Hutch would stay, anytime he would be in this area, he would stay with us at our home, which was one of the great traits of our lives because he filled our our home with laughter and with joy and all the good things of of the Lord. And he, he saw how much I loved my clock and he said, you couldn't have that clock in the hood, you know. (laughs) And I said, why? What, What don't you like about my clock? He says, it doesn't ring often enough. He says, that thing in the hood, I'd set it up so it rang every 5 to 15 minutes. I said, why? Wouldn't that bug you? He says, oh, no. He says, what you don't understand is not if, but when a brother comes and steals your grandfather clock. He says, with my clock, they couldn't be more than five minutes away before I know it. So every time I hear it ring, it makes me smile about Hutch. He he used to do things like that to me all the time, make me laugh in the joy of the Lord. Uh, There are things in my life, and there should be things in your life that remind you of Jesus Christ. I know this will sound hokey. I hope take it for what it's worth. But every time I look into the eyes of my wife, I'm reminded of how much the Lord loves me to give me a woman that has been such a wonderful, wonderful wife, mate, friend, you name it, for 41 years. There's things in your life that, that ought to remind you of your love of Christ. It ought to make you think about how blessed you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so the psalmist writes that in his law he meditates upon it day and night. Psalms 48, I'm getting to Psalms 119 in a moment. Psalms 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written in my heart. And so I would encourage you to memorize some things in Scripture, to, to, to feed upon the Word of God so it's a part of you, a part of every bit of your being. I want to give you a suggestion, a suggestion of praying to the Lord I've said this to you before. Let me say it again because I think it's really important. It has at least helped me. When I pray, oftentimes in my office, I will read the Word of God back to the Lord. Let me give you just an example. We're in Psalms 119, right? Let's take a look at verse 11, for instance. Here's what I would do with this verse if if I were in my room. And it never is the same, but it helps me memorize this verse. It says, Your word I have treasured in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And what I might do after reading that verse is said, Oh Lord, I want to treasure your word in my heart. I want to make it such a part of me, Lord. You know my shortcomings. Father, help me to memorize. Help me to put your word in my heart. And the reason being, Lord, is what you say here. I don't want to sin against you. Forgive me. It would remind me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin, dear Lord. Help me not to do that anymore. Take those things away from me, dear God. And I would pray back to God His Word. Verse 89, look at it. Forever, O Lord, 
Your word is settled in heaven. There's so much you can say to the Lord about that in your prayers to him. But what I'd like for you to do is read with me now verse 97 to verse 104. It is just a small sampling of how important the word of God is throughout the Bible, Old as well as New Testament. Look at verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It's another essence of continuing on, knowing and understanding the Word of God. Verse 98, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are mine, they are ever mine. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my medication, meditation. One, verse 100, I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. You know, knowing the Word of God, folks, doesn't matter how old you are chronologically. What matters is how, how much time you put into understanding and knowing the Word of God. Make it a, a part of your life. Psalms 101, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your Word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. I reminded Debbie in the first service, so I'll remind you, it wasn't me that moved Debbie's heart to want to serve the children. No, no, it was, it was verse 102. I've not turned aside from your ordinances, because you yourself have taught me. Listen, if anybody tries to tell you that they're your anointed teacher, be careful. The only anointed teacher is Jesus Christ. And when a pastor or a teacher is doing it correctly, under the power of God Almighty, not wanting anything for themselves but to share the Word of God, then God will move upon your soul and He, not the preacher, will teach you His lesson for that day. That's why so many of you will come up to me and say, boy, you must have, must have been in my thought because that is exactly what I needed to hear. And they will tell me such and such. And another person will come right up after them and say, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And they'll tell me this over there. And they had nothing to do with one another. I'm not that good. God does it. God is the one that moves upon our hearts to teach us. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Ah, folks, the Word of God is everything to us. Any preacher that opens up, the, opens up this book and, and reads maybe a verse and then closes his book and then gives a message, I don't know what even to say. I don't even know how to address it. I, I did say something last week about beware of certain preachers you, you see on TV because they have big buildings and a lot of people. That means nothing. That means nothing to what God is doing in the life of the preacher or that congregation. Now, you be careful what you listen to and who you listen to. You listen to the Word of God. Enough of that. Go back to First Peter. Peter desires for you and me to be faithful to the longing of his word. And why? Well, because it's the gospel that produces two things, a new birth and growth. For you here, most of us here, what, what you need is growth. Most of us here are born again, believers in Jesus Christ. If you're not, please listen. 
Please hear God speak to you. Please come to trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin and become a part of the family of God. But for most of us here, the Word of God is what helps you and me grow into the person that God has created us to be. And those are not my words. That's Paul speaking to Timothy. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He says to Timothy that from childhood, Timothy, you have known no, the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is, is brought about through the sacred writings. Your growth, my growth in Christ, comes through understanding the Word of God. You see, our, our Lord's transforming grace in your life, my life, works through His Word to create in us this new life, this new birth and this growth in Christ. You're not going to be able to grow in Christ without understanding the Word of God. That's the way God has set it up. Listen to what He says. Listen to John. In John chapter 20, verse 31, these words, talking about Scripture, talking about these words, John writes, have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in His name. Romans, Paul writes in 10.17, Faith will come through hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. The Bible's everything. So if you're back in 1 Peter chapter 2, therefore is there to remind you of the saving power that is, is all about God's Word. It's based upon yours and my commitment to Scripture because Scripture is the only power that enables you and me to consistently live out this Christian life that has been given to us so that we might grow in Christ. How do I know that? Listen to the writer of Acts, chapter 20, verse 32. Now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, watch now, which is able to build you up to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. Sanctified could mean believer, could be Christian, could be followers of Christ. Sanctification is when you and I are set apart from the world and its system and we're set apart for our Lord. So the writer of Acts says, I want to commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up. Paul said again to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says, all Scripture, every bit of this is inspired by God. It is profitable. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Verse 17 says, so that, so that the person of God could be adequately equipped for every good work. That's why we are all needed. Every one of you is needed to help this church become all that God wants it to become. We are needed. That we would be adequately equipped, each and every single one of us, for every good work. That's what the Word of God will do in your life, in my life. When Peter says in verses 1 and 2, Therefore, put aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. And he says like, in, like a newborn baby, Long for the pure milk of the Word, 
so that by it, the pure milk of the word, by that you may grow in respect to salvation. He is saying basically in verses 1 and 2, if you really boil it down, he is saying that you and I cannot expect God to do everything for us. There are certain things that you and I must do within our faith. We must do for ourselves. You can't follow me home today and see, am I going to study that? Well, I'll watch football first. But you are not going (laughs) to... I meant that as a joke. (laughs) But I am going to watch football. But you're not going to... You you don't get to follow me home to see if I'm going to study the Word as much as I tell you I do. You don't know. You don't know if I'm a self-starter. You don't know if I get up in the morning and before anything else, put on some sweats and sit in my computer and that James fixed and, and, and study the Word of God. And I don't know if you go home and, and walk with Christ either. But God knows if I do. God bless you. And God knows if you do. He knows what we do with our time. He knows how we fill up our time for Him. And so we are like newborn babies. We are to long for the pure milk of the Word because God can't do it for you. You've got you've to want it. You know, I, when I was younger, you know this, I played ball. I wanted to be really good. In fact, I wanted to be a, in a Hall of Fame. I, I wanted to be really good. And I went to a, a Vero Beach where I was with the Dodgers. There were a lot of Hall of Famers like Roy Campanella and, 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 and uh, geez, I, I can start naming names like Pete Reeser. Names you won't remember, they're older. But every one I went to, every one of those men I went to, I said, how? How did you become as good as you were in it? And every single one to a person said the same thing. Practice. Practice. I went up to Pee Wee Reese, who was one of the great shortstops of all of baseball, was one of the great Dodgers of all time. And I said, Pee Wee, how do you, how do you become so proficient at fielding ground balls? And he said, John practice and so when everyone else would be through with practice and go and shower I'd stay out on the field and if someone would stay back hit me ground balls I would have them hit me ground balls and if another guy stayed back and let me throw like to second base on a double play I would do that I took so many balls and I'm not bragging right now I just want you to know that I took so many ground balls for so long that I could catch a ground ball close my eyes and throw a strike hit the guy at second base without looking because it became automatic to me. It didn't matter where I fielded it. When I fielded it going to my left, I could sense where he was. I could close my eyes and throw. Sometimes I would just throw just to get the see of it, feel of it. I got to where I could make every play at third base. Play going in on a ground ball. Play going over the bag. I practiced and practiced and practiced. Now I tell you that because sometimes when I, I get in the Bible and I can't remember where a place in Scripture was and I think, oh gosh, where was it? And I'll come to my mind, well, you knew how to throw to second base with your eyes closed. You should be able to at least find the Word of God, shouldn't you? And it would challenge me. It just, it, I'm hard on myself. I want to be that man of God that understands uh, the Word of God. I want you to be that too. And you cannot have someone else do it for you. You can't. I can come here and I, I can maybe encourage you, but the, really the person, the only one I'm really encouraging is myself because I study the Word of God. Sue, who teaches the women, told me after the first service, she came up to me and she said, 
what you said today, I finally understood. And you said that you love us because we make you get in the Word of God. And that's the truth. I, I love you for that major reason. Because you challenge me. Because when I go home today, I'm going to have to study verses 4 on forward of what we're going to do for next week in church. And you help me. You make me. You force me into the Word of God. And for that, I love you. And she said, I realize that's what I do with the women. I've told the women that I love them, and I told them why, and it was verbatim of what you said. It's because they forced me into the Word of God. Nobody can make you do that. You've got to want to do it. So, what Peter says is put aside, if you'll note, in, in, in verse uh, 1, put aside all sinful things, which would make you and me stumble. Let me, let me show you what, what Peter's going to write next week. Just a touch of next week. Look at verses 7 and 8. Hopefully we'll get to 7 and 8, but I, I would guess that we would. Look, he's talking about Jesus Christ, this choice cornerstone. And he says in verse 7, this precious value then is, is for you who believe, but, but for those who disbelieve, this stone, talking about Jesus, which the builders rejected, this stone became the very cornerstone. And verse 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumble because they are disobedient. Disobedient to what? They stumble because they're disobedient to the Word of God. Do you understand the importance of this that we try to teach here week in and week out? It's the very essence of your life and my life. It's, it's, it's everything that you are and I am. This is what makes you and me grow in our faith. This is what makes you the man, the woman, the person that God has created you to be. And so we are to understand and to study it. We're to put aside everything that would cause a lack of growth within our lives. So therefore, in verse 1, is basically since, not if, but since you have this imperishable word of God, therefore do something about it. Therefore, is our reminder that the saving power of God comes through His Word in our lives. It is an ongoing commitment that you and I must have. It's the only power for you and me to successfully live out our Christian lives. So put aside sin. How do you do this? You know, almost everything within our faith is fairly simple when you boil it down. We're to follow Jesus Christ. In the wilderness, Satan tried to tempt Jesus to go against the will of his Father. And he says, if, if you truly are the, the, the Son of God, then, then you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Remember? And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, great verse, He said to Satan, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? What? but on every word, not just some of the words, not just peck and choose whatever comforts you, but man shall live on every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's what you and I love for. That's what will keep us from sin. When Peter says, put all aside malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, he's not listing all the sins. He's, he's just giving you a cross idea of sins that you must do away with. And the word putting aside in verse 1 
It's A-P-O-T-H-E-M-E-N-O-I in the Greek. It means the stripping off of a soiled garment, something that's, that's soiled. You shouldn't wear it anymore. It's soiled, and so you take it off. That's what he's saying we're to do with sin. Paul said the same thing in the book of Colossians to the church there. He said, put aside all these sins. We're to strip away those sinful habits that we have. And, and let's take a look at some of the words, just in, in, in brief. And malice. Malice is the desiring to do harm to another person. Guile. In the, in the King James, it's the word deceit. It literally means to bait a fish hook. It, it, it's to put a, a covering over a fish, fish hook so a fish will come and, and bite it unaware and get caught. That's what guile and deceit means. It means to willfully entrap another person by means of trickery. Hypocrisy. Well, hypocrisy originally was a, uh, it was a, a description of an actor that wore a mask that played a different part, a different character. But for us, in, in Scripture, it refers to spiritual insincerity, knowingly being untrue, knowingly being false. Envy. Envy is jealousy. It's it's a desire to have something that another person possesses. Slander. Slander is probably the most evil of them all. It's to speak evil against another person in order to defame them or to destroy them. If you've ever been in ministry for any length of time, you understand those words. They kind of roll off of your mouth because people do that sometimes for whatever reason. I don't know, but people do. Normally because they didn't get their way, but people do those types of things. But this list of sins by Peter is not exhaustive by any way. It's just a representation of evil actions and thoughts that will hinder your and my growth in Christ. The idea of mentioning these sins is simple, I think, from Peter's point of view. His purpose is that if you sense that you have a sin in your life that's hindering you, deal with it, confess it, get it out, put it aside, strip it off of you. And harboring those types of things against another person won't hurt the other person. It will only hinder your growth in Christ. It's like someone taking poison so as to kill another person. can't do that. Give them the poison. Don't you take it. No. We've already been told we're to love one another. We're not to harbor these things. So Peter gives a solution. The solution, like anything else, is, is simple. But it's complex. It, it's, it's, your, it's your desire, is it? It's, it's, his solution is that you are to long for the Word of God like a newborn baby longs for the pure milk of her mom or his mom. Dr. McGee writes when he wrote this about how his son had a baby boy and his son was called off, I think, to China. I, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but but I do remember what Dr. McGee wrote. and He said he had the privilege of feeding this newborn baby. And he, and he had his mother's milk in a bottle. And, and when that baby, as young as it was, caught a glimpse of that bottle, his arms and legs were just kicking like crazy until Dr. McGee said he put the, the nipple or the whatever, what's that called? The, 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 in the bottle. So he gave him something to drink. And he said he would watch that baby just devour that milk. And he, he couldn't help but think, I wished, this is when he pastored church. He said, I wish the people in my church longed for the word of God like this little guy longs for the pure milk. I get that. 
Any of us that preach the Word of God wants people to be excited about their faith. So it illustrates how long and how strongly you and I are to want these things. The psalmist writes it this way. As a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, he writes, for the living God. Does your soul pant for the Lord of God? You seek the Word of God above and beyond anything else you ought to. It ought to be the driving force in your life. Think about it. Think about it. Your salvation was given to you because of the Word of God. The Word of God moved in your life. And you came to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. And in believing in Jesus Christ, you are no longer going to go to hell. Think about the joy that He has given you, the privilege that He has given you to be a child of God. Long for His Word. And when I... When I see the word word milk there, excuse me, when I see the word milk there, it means the total word of God. I've already told you a little bit about those people that preach just a verse here or a verse there. Shame on them. The total word of God. You and I will never grow as we ought to grow without understanding or getting a, a grasp of the whole word of God. And without a hunger for the word of God, you will not grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ as you ought to. You will always be a babe in Christ, immature in your faith. If there's one thing I want more than anything, I want you to grow in your faith like I would like to grow in my faith. I want us to grow. And you see where there is no growth. can't be growth without the whole Word of God. So, I'm going to leave you with that because it's time. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the privilege of doing what I do. If you're visiting with us today, thanks. We do not take you for granted. We love you and we, we thank God that you're here. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's what we have to offer to you here. We entrap you with a good breakfast, I guess. <laughs> but the real thing is we want to give you the Word of God. We want you to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. There are going to be some people up here in a moment that will pray with you. If you'd like to pray with them about anything, it'll be private. They will keep it private. They will pray with you. We want to be a church that prays for one another. And so after the service is over, if you have a moment and you want someone to pray with you, just come on over here and these dear people will pray with you. And they're faithful people of our church, faithful people who love the Lord. Now I ask you to not walk away with here without considering the importance of Jesus Christ and His Word in your life. The whole of this message was to try to get you to want to read the Bible a little more regularly and to think about the Lord more regularly so that you can grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for that. Like my next, next breath, Father, I do pray for the people of this church to know you and love you, and myself included, Father. I do not want to take for granted this faith that you have given us. May we grow in the knowledge of who you are. May we always give you thanks, Father, above everything else for what you do in our lives. Now, Father, will you bless us wherever you take us from here. Uh, May we be a, a blessing to those we come in contact with. And ultimately, Father, may we bless you by the way we live the rest of this day. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.